0: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. All of that good stuff. Locked On Packers is the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. A ton to get to, an absolute ton to get to between the NFL draft. We saw the receivers last night do their thing, some good, some bad. We're going to talk about all of that today, but let's start here. I got this question, and it's a really good way to get us into uh, the, the breaking news, really, topic of today. Hola, Pedro. Que pasa? With ESPN reporting Green Bay might make a run at Hooper, what price point would you be comfortable with and how long? He's not in the Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey tier. Seems odd when they just drafted Jace and can bring back Big Bob on the cheap. I would prefer a flyer on Eifert or a Nick Vanette type. Goody seemed to hype Jace up. I don't think it's prudent to spend money with looming Bach and Clark extensions. Chris. All right, let's get everyone up to speed for people who do not know what he's talking about. A lot to unpack in there, and we're going to get to all of it. This week, ESPN's Rob Demofsky said the Packers will make a run at Falcons tight end Austin Hooper. This is after suggesting they would have interest. Jason Wildy said that it had been previously reported that the Packers had attempted to make a trade for Hooper at the deadline. I could not find evidence of that reporting, but it might be the kind of thing that people who knew knew And either couldn't say that this was going to be happening, couldn't get it sourced properly or whatever, but it sounds like there has been a lot of momentum here for a while. Tony Pauline from Pro Draft Network said in January, the Packers would be one of the teams to go after Austin hooper and this goes back to a discussion that we've had on this show about the prudence of going after a receiver versus a tight end in free agency and a lot of packer fans were out there saying emmanuel sanders they were saying robbie anderson there were these receivers who were going to cost 10 12 14 million dollars a year and what i said was maybe it makes more sense to sign a tight end now i had said hunter henry It sounds like the Chargers are going to bring him back. Uh, It was reported on Friday, in fact, that they're working on a multi-year extension, not just a franchise tag or something like that. The Falcons, on the other hand, are going to let Austin Hooper walk. And this is coming off his best season in the NFL. Remember, Austin Hooper was a rookie when Matt LaFleur was the QB coach in Atlanta. So there's already that connection. What this does for the Packers is it would open up their draft. If you can sign Austin Hooper, and Track projected he would cost $9.9 million on the open market, so let's round it and say 10 Jimmy Graham is at the top of the market right now, as depressing as that is for a lot of Packer fans, $11 million. But when Trey Burton signed, and he was not a top-of-market type player, he got $8 million. Nine is where Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and those guys are right now. But your free agency, you usually get a premium simply by being a free agent and having the open market dictate your terms. There are going to be other teams interested. Tony Pauline had reported previously Seattle and Arizona were also interested in Austin Hooper. The Seahawks have since signed Greg Olson. They may be out of this sweepstakes. But if you're the Packers and you need that secondary receiver. You need that wide receiver too. And this has been the discussion that's been had uh, among fans and media all offseason so far and will continue. Maybe you do it and allocate resources more effectively with a tight end versus a receiver if Hooper's only going to cost 10 million and Robbie Anderson is going to cost 14 and he's really a one-dimensional kind of player. He has some other ability. He can he can do more than just get deep but he is not a Devontae Adams do-it-all type receiver. You might be able to find that guy in the draft. But if you have Hooper as someone who can work the middle of the field, he can be your de facto receiver too. Your second most targeted receiving option, even if he is not a receiver by name. You can split him out wide. No, he's not a great inline blocker, but that's what you have Jay Sternberger for. His emergence as a blocking tight end is... an important part of the equation here because you can play them both and still run your, your run schemes. You have the ability to play two tight ends. And tight end is a position that notoriously takes a long time to develop. So if you're Jay Sternberger, yeah, you showed some things at the end of last year, but is he ready to go out and be your top target? And even if you draft someone, that guy, is probably not going to be ready to go out and be your top target at tight end. And even if you bring back Mercedes Lewis, now we've got a lot of caveats in here. Even if you bring back Mercedes Lewis, you don't have the guy who you can rely on to be that dude in 2020. Maybe Jay Sternberger can be that guy in 2021. Maybe he can be that guy in 2022. If you're Austin Hooper and you're 25 years old and you are ascending and you are coming into your physical prime, relative athlete score makes him a well above average tight end in terms of general athleticism, despite the fact that he only ran you know, low four sevens coming out of college. He's not a, a middle of the field, kill you down the seam type tight end, but he's someone who can work underneath. He is someone who's extremely reliable, had a catch percentage last season over 80%. And that is in itself an upgrade over what you had in Jimmy Graham, who you're probably going to move on from in part to make room for a signing like this. You can essentially replace that money one for one and still have room for Brian Bulaga, still have room for the other players that you need to work on your roster. Now, if you have Hooper and you can go into your draft and say, we don't need to get... A receiver in the first round because now you can push that receiver to priority down a little bit. Remember the way that that we look at this in terms of the guys who can make the most impact on your team. It's not just best player available. It's what they can do for your team over the life of their rookie contract and beyond. And if you have Devontae Adams and you have Aaron Jones and now you have Austin Hooper, that wide receiver, too, is not going to get as many targets. His potential impact is not as great. So you can look at him relative to, say, a starting middle linebacker. Maybe you felt before, if you don't get Austin Hooper, that that receiver who comes in is going to get 100-plus targets. And that gives you you know, a huge boost in your offense. Now that guy is going to get fewer targets, especially as a rookie, and so maybe you can wait until the second round. Can you get Donovan Peoples-Jones in the second round, can you get Michael Pittman Jr. at 64? It unlocks your draft because it gives you more flexibility. It allows you to say, okay, if there's an offensive tackle who falls, you have someone that can be your long-term solution at right tackle. If you have a, a defensive back who falls that you really like, a cornerback, perhaps, maybe an, an underrated position where of need, if you have an edge rusher, the Packers really like some of the edge guys in this class. It is a little bit of an underrated need for them. With, with Kyler Fackerel departing, they're going to want to play four plus of these outside linebackers. And if we're going to go to 17 games over the next few years, you need more of these dudes. You can never have too many. You'd like to lessen the burden on Zadarius Smith, on Preston Smith to have to give you everything, every snap. You don't want them to have to play 90% of snaps, 85% of snaps. You want to save them for the postseason and have them be as fresh as possible and by getting depth, that allows you to do that. If you sign Austin Hooper, now you can fill and backfill in a way some of these other positions because you don't need as much in terms of a pass catcher. Now, that doesn't mean that they're just not gonna do it. If Justin Jefferson falls, draft him. If Jalen Rager is there, draft him. If T. Higgins is there, draft him. Great. If you don't love Kenneth Murray, you don't love Patrick Queen, you don't love Zach Bond, fine. But you now have more flexibility for that to be an option for you. And let's get to this question now because it is, an important one for the Packers to assess going into not just the draft, but free agency, because these are all interrelated. This question is from Sean D in Illinois. Hey, Peter, what's happening? If Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray are gone at 30, which receiver do you like best at 30? KJ Hamler, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, or another receiver I didn't mention. Thanks. For me, it's Justin Jefferson, and it was Justin Jefferson before he ran fast. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that the two receivers in this draft I absolutely love are Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager. The problem with Rager at this point, he did not do well in the agilities, and that matters for Green Bay. He would be the least agile receiver they've drafted in over a decade. Agility score in the like bottom 10 percentile, really not good, but explosives off the charts jumped out of the gym 42 inch vertical uh 11 feet broad jump I mean 99th percentile type stuff and ran 447 now he played at 10 12 14 15 pounds lighter at TCU than he showed up at the combine he said he wants to play at 205 did that hurt his ability to change direction it might have uh Tony Pauline, I mentioned Tony a lot on this show today. Tony Pauline said in training he was running four threes at 195. So if he drops a couple pounds, gets into like if he can if he can run low four fours at one ninety-eight, let's say, or even two hundred, and can get those three cone and short shuttle times better, I think he's in play at thirty. Don't don't assume. Justin Jefferson is just done at 30. Don't assume that. Because he was not a consensus first-round player before the combine. So, even though I loved him, doesn't mean every team did. And so, if he was, let's say, the 45th best player on some boards going into the combine, the combine did not push him up to 25. So, it only takes one team to draft the guy you want, and then he's gone. I am, am really... Not convinced that he's gonna necessarily be gone at 30. Anything can happen. He was a really good football player, not just someone who did well at the combine. The combine solidifies what you see on tape. This is this is as old as the combine is. The tape is first and the combine either solidifies it or makes you go back. It might make you go back and say, Did we miss something? Good and bad. Because if you're a LaVisca Chenault and you run four, five, eight, we're gonna to get to LaVisca in a second. Then then now teams have to go back and say, is this guy really athletic enough for as raw as he is to be worth a first round pick? Me personally, I didn't think going into the combine he was athletic enough to be just this ball of tools that you can go and, and roll out there and say, go make a play. If he had gone out and run 4-4 and jumped 40 and and had a you know a crazy, you know, a six eight three cone, then yeah, great. Let's talk about it. But he didn't and he got hurt. Which is already a question with him because he's so big. And and before we get to LaViska, let me just answer Sean's question. Jefferson, Rager, Higgins, in that order. Those are the three. And then, you know, we start to we start to fall down the list a little bit. Brandon Ayuk a little bit further down although I think he'd be a great pick at 30 and a really fun different kind of player than the Packers have someone you can just get the ball into his hands and go he ran routes uh, smooth smooth at Indy so that's that's great I'm not I'm not in for Mims at 30 I, I'm not there with him I'm, I just it's not it's not where it needs to be in terms of his production I, the athleticism is great and the, the production was there but the The polish is not. So we'll see. I mean, he he can get better. He got better at the Senior Bowl and showed that he can still be an ascending player. So good for him. All credit to, to Denzel Mims. He's a really good player. I think he's more like the 45th best player than the 30th best player. That's the difference. Uh, let's get to this question on... Uh, LaVisca from Matthew in Cape Cod. Hey, Peter, clearly Chenault is the guy to get, in my opinion. If the chips fall that way, and here's my perspective he will be what Montgomery could have been if Ty had more talent. He will be a solid Cobb replacement and a great complementary piece in the backfield. He potentially solves a lot of future cap issues, and he wants to play multiple roles. He's a round one receiver and a possible fourth round running back. I say we take the shot. I know he ran four, five, six, but he's faster on the field than in tights. Is he? Are we sure he is? First of all, he ran four, five, eight. And that's not a huge deal, but it's not nothing. And he's a guy who doesn't really know how to run routes yet. I don't know that he has great feel. I don't know that he can be a great playmaker after the catch if he's not as athletic as some think that he is. So all of those things matter to me. It's not what I would do at 30. I just if the Packers trade back, and this is something that I could see them doing, it's a deep class. They sign Austin Hooper. The linebackers are gone at thirty. Uh, Jefferson, Higgins, those guys are gone, and they're not into Rager because of the agility problems. And they like someone like Denzel Mims, or they like someone like Lavisca Chenault because he runs better at his pro day. Move back, and now you know thirties, early forties, you can get one of those guys, and I'd feel better about Lavisca Chenault at thirty-eight. At 40. Then we can start having a conversation. I think there's going to be too many good players on the board at 30. To make LaVisca make sense. But this is all situational. We got to see what's going on here. There's too much of a question here with LaVisca. I want to... Bring it back, though, to that receiver running back conversation with this question from Aaron. Hey, Peter, why not utilize Tyler Irvin as your returner and third down back? This is something we talked about earlier in the week. Your gadget player could be Irvin. Also, use extra cash to get snacks and keep Martinez. More friendly deal. Bring Burks up to speed and rotate fresh legs and tear shit up. <laughs> Aaron from Poops Illinois. I love the cell phones with the people from Illinois. It's great. Uh, Martinez is gone, so let's not even talk about that. He's gone. He's going to get $10, $12, $14 million, and Green Bay's just not going to be in for that. Snacks Harrison is a possibility. They seem to be doing their due diligence on defensive linemen. They're, I think they're going to take a defensive lineman on day two, day three. Somewhere between round two and round four is going to be a defensive lineman. I think that makes Snacks unlikely in that way. So the the question we had earlier in the week was – what if they decided to upgrade that Tyler Irvin spot? And, and Aaron's point is, well, why not just use Tyler Irvin? And my response to that is find a more talented player. And the guy that I love, 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 love in that spot, in that third, fourth round, is Antonio Gibson. Ran 4-3-9 yesterday and was a receiver at Memphis, is going to be a running back for a lot of teams in the NFL. Doesn't that sound like Tyler Irvin? You can split him out. He can run routes, put him in the backfield, run him on jet sweeps, let him return punts, let him return kicks, do all of those things. And you have RB3. You've got, I don't know, receiver four, receiver five, punt returner, kick returner. That's it. That's what you need if you're the Packers. You need a guy with some juice that can do that for you. And this is, again, back to the Austin Hooper point. You get Austin Hooper, and now all of a sudden, you can get Kenneth Murray in the first round. A defensive lineman in the second round. And in the third round, if you don't like the receivers on the board, you can wait because there are going to be guys like Devin Duvernay and some of these dudes who run 4 4. You can get your MVS replacement, your speedster down the field, field stretcher guy. Get him on day three because that's how deep this receiver class is. You can get him in the third round. And so that allows you to fill these other needs. You like an offensive tackle, get him. You need a cornerback. I think they're going to take an edge rusher in the third if they can. I think that's their goal. Second, third round, somewhere in there. And they they want a linebacker anywhere they can get them. They are going to take a linebacker, and they're going to try and do it early if they can. If Murray and Queen are off the board, Bonner off the board, then you know you have the opportunity to fill these other needs. It's a lot, and, and we don't know what's going to happen down the way. Uh, but I, I do think that the, the Packers are going to be looking at double dipping. Part of that Domovsky report was they want a free agent guy and they want a draft guy. Okay, then maybe you don't double dip a receiver. Maybe maybe then you just take one. And that opens you up to get you know that fourth round corner that you want. Or that third round edge rusher that you want. And now you can do these other things rather than doubling up on receivers. I don't know that they need a receiver in the fourth round. I don't. I don't, and I don't personally don't think that makes that much sense. You have Marquez Valdez Scantling, you have Alan Lazard, you have Equinemius St Brown, you have guys who are talented that you want to see develop. So either get a high pedigree guy, or don't. Like it's either get that guy early if you need a receiver, and you do get that guy early. Doesn't have to be in the first, first, second, third. Someone with real pedigree, someone with real talent and upside. Get that guy early. And don't worry about it later. If you see value, great. Yeah, take them. If you if you see it, you don't need to rush it. I don't I think the perception is they need to get two receivers. I just don't think that's true. They have developmental guys on the roster. What they need is a high-end talent player to put into this system and and give them the best opportunity that they can get to get that wide receiver too. Let's finish up here. I like this question, and it's not something that I'd thought of before. Hey, Peter, this is Jason, Jason from Nashville. Listening to the last few shows on Inside Backers, just wondering what your thoughts were on if they get Bon, having him call the defense. It will already be a new position for him, and as a rookie in the NFL, would it be feasible to ask that of him, or could we see Amos or Big Z take on that responsibility? I know this is getting way ahead, of head, but it's the offseason, LOL. So, I had not thought of this. The Packers are going to have a new signal caller because it's not going to be Blake Martinez. Candidates, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, the rookie that they take, I don't think it's going to be one of the the, the pass rushers. It's not going to be Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, just because you, you don't want them worrying about coverages and those kinds of things. You want... It's either a linebacker or a safety, so you make sure everyone's lined up and you make sure the coverage is on point. If you're Zadarius Smith, you want to be worried about stalking blocks and hunting quarterbacks, not making sure that everyone's got the coverages and are, and are lined up right. That's not your responsibility. So they could sign someone, they could draft someone, or it could be someone in, in their organization. There are some, some whispers and certainly some thoughts from fans that that Nick Kwiatkowski could be someone that they sign this offseason and he certainly would be capable. He's a veteran player, not super experienced, but a veteran. He's been on NFL teams. I think you would, if you're going to sign him, you're going to trust him with those responsibilities. But I think Amos is, is certainly uh, the kind of player who could handle that responsibility. He's someone who you trust to know. And you're going to deploy him everywhere. You're going to play him in the box. You're going to play him deep. You're going to play him in the slot. So he, he has to know everything about this defense anyway. I think that's something that makes sense. One of the questions we got on the Periscope was if the Packers would trade up into the 20s. I don't think so, but they might fall in love with one of these receivers. And if they get an Austin Hooper, or let's say, let's do it this way. If they get a Nick Kwiatkowski and they feel like the linebacker position is solved, they extend Brian Bulaga and it... it, puts them in a position where the only spot they feel like they have to upgrade is receiver. And it only takes, you know, they moved up from 30 to 21 with a couple of fourths. That's not that much to give up. If you love Justin Jefferson, and by the way, I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's the third best receiver in this class. And if you wanted to tell me you thought he was better than Jerry Judy, let's talk. Because I don't think there's that much that separates the two of them. I think he is... A top 15 player all day. So if that's true, and I think that's true, and he's all of a sudden available for you at 21, make the call. See if you can get him. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think the Packers would do that. I think it is just as likely, if not more likely, that they trade back in a deep draft and try and pick up some picks and get in a situation where they're adding rather than subtracting from their draft hole. But they have a lot of picks. They could make it work. Could they trade up for Murray or Queen? I don't think so, and here's why. The Packers did a ton of work on these linebackers at the Combine. They talked to more than a dozen of them, and they talked to guys who are projected to go in every round. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. They are not going to press. They want to get one, but I think they are comfortable doing it anywhere in the top 100. Now, I do think it's going to be in the top 100. They want to see who those guys are going to be. Troy Dye in the second works. Akeem Davis Gaither in the second round. Fine with me. I'm higher on him than than a lot of people. Don't care. 64, great. If he's there, or 62, great. If he's there at 94, great. I don't think they're gonna they're going to press and move up. For a linebacker, because they're just they're they're looking at too many of them, and I think they're planning for the eventuality of someone is there in round one we love, and so who can we get in the second round? All right, someone else that we love at a different position is there in the second round. Who can we get in the third round? They're trying to map this out. This is this is something they they do, and we saw it last year. Figure out where they can get to. I I posited on Twitter that they have an idea of where they want to go with these guys and where the talent is, and I I think they want to go receiver first if they can, defensive line, linebacker in the second, defensive line, linebacker in the third, one of those in there, edge rusher, third, fourth, cornerback, third, fourth, I mean, I think that's where they'd like to go. They don't seem that interested in going offensive line, which suggests to me they either want to bring back Bulaga and think they will, or they have some plan that we don't know about, but those are really the only options at this point, so... Uh, The the offensive linemen and running backs are out tonight, a lot more over the weekend. So when we come back on Monday, we'll have seen everything. We'll know everything. We'll have all the information. Maybe we have some some more movement on this Austin Hooper conversation. I jokingly said that it's going to drive up the the price for the Bears to ultimately sign Austin Hooper, but uh, that is probably not real. I think the Packers are genuinely interested in Austin Hooper. So we're going to find out a lot more. There's going to be more reports like this from Rob Domofsky. And it might not be from Rob, but it's going to be from someone about where these free agents are going to go. Players, the Packers could be interested. And, and players, the Packers could be interested in signing. So a lot to get to in the coming days and weeks. And, and by the time we talk again, it'll be March. The league year opens in March. So we're only a couple weeks away from free agency, the tampering period, all that good stuff. And we could have a new CBA soon, like real soon. And have more to talk about there as well. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPackers. On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. Anytime you want to hit us up and be a part of a show just like this one, you can do that on the Locked On Packers fan hotline 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.